0: Hey everyone, it's Copeland Bell, your historical housekeeper. Welcome to Polish & Scream, where I document the historic homes I clean and the strange things that happen in them. This podcast is for mature audiences only. No little ear should be listening. So get nice and cozy and let me tell you a story. Episode 10 When I was working for a big brand cleaning company, we always loved going to apartment buildings. Inevitably, someone would see us in our little pink uniforms pushing our cart down the hallway and stop to get an estimate. This meant our team would get a referral bonus, which, hey, an extra 50 bucks in my pocket was a good thing. So when I started my own business, I knew that I would be taking apartment bookings, historical or not. It was a no-brainer. No sense in being exclusive to historic properties if I couldn't make rent. However, as luck or something more sinister would have it, I landed a job cleaning an apartment in a historical building, a former 1910 school building that had been converted into apartments. I know what you're thinking. It must be full of creepy ghost kids and mean school principals haunting the halls. To that I say, maybe. But that's not the tale I'll tell today. The lobby of Henry school apartments had gleaming hardwood floors, restored original windows, and 20-foot ceilings. The place must have been a fortune to rent or purchase. No detail was left untouched. Apartment 1D was at the end of a long, wide hallway on the first floor. I loved cleaning this apartment for multiple reasons. For one, along the wall of the downstairs area were enormous floor-to-ceiling arched windows, that bathed the entire apartment in warm, bright light. However, the primary reason was that cleaning the entire apartment took less than two hours. Selena, the client, was a highly organized neat freak that enjoyed having someone come in and put the finishing touches on their already immaculate space. I'm not complaining. I enjoy any excuse to fold the toilet paper into a perfect point. The little things made Selena happy. It was a quick job, and that day I finished feeling content with my work as I strode down the wide hallway towards the exit, pushing my cleaning cart along with me. Excuse me, I heard a voice call out from behind me. I turned around to see a small, muscular, older man in trouser pants and a flannel button-up shirt walking briskly towards me. Are you Miss Bell, the housekeeper? He said out of breath, closing the distance between us rapidly. Yes, may I help you? I responded, now taking a step back as the older man got a scooch too close for my comfort. Selina told me you were coming today. I wanted to see if you could give us an estimate. Of course, what kind of work were you looking for? I said. Where are my manners? I'm Frank. My wife Linda and I live upstairs in apartment 7G. We had an accident in the apartment and it just made a terrible mess. So much to clean up. We're only in our 70s and pretty fit, but, well, it's a lot of work. We could really use some help. Frank gave me a sheepish grin and rocked back and forth on his heels. Oh no, I'm so sorry to hear that. Let me check in with a client quickly and I'll be right up, I said. Thank you, thank you so much, said Frank. Ours is the only apartment accessible by elevator. Here's a card. Just swipe it for access. He thrust an electronic card into my hand and took off from the direction in which he came. I pulled out my phone and shot a quick text to Dakota. She was my only friend in town, and if I was going to get murdered in an old couple's upscale apartment, I wanted someone to know where to find the body. Heading up to apartment 7G and Henry School Apartments for an estimate, I texted quickly. Dakota texted back a question mark. In case I die there, tell the police where to find my body, I responded. If they were smart, they'd move the body. And bleach the apartment, she shot back. So not the point, and you aren't making me feel any better. "'Fine, fine. Check out those apartments. They look amazing. Wonder if any are for rent?' Dakota sent back with a dancing emoji. "'In your dreams,' I responded and headed towards the elevator. When the doors of the elevator parted at the top of the building, I immediately sucked in a breath. The apartment opened into the kitchen and living area, with huge original windows and 20-foot ceilings. The old wooden floors were glossy with polyurethane. It was also an absolute disaster.' Broken glass littered the floor in the kitchen and dining area. Magazines were torn and tossed around like confetti. Books and furniture lay haphazardly around the entire room. Dirt from potted plants trailed across a beautiful jute area rug, and the smell of rotten fish permeated the air. My face must have shown my bewilderment because I failed to realize that Frank was standing beside me as I stepped off the elevator. I should have divulged the, uh, scope of the job. But now that you're here, would you mind taking a look? Frank said with a nervous laugh. Um, okay. What exactly happened here? And how long has it been like this? I responded over my shoulder as I stepped deeper into the chaos. Glass crunched under my feet, and I sidestepped a decaying banana oozing on the hard wood. It's really a silly story. Two days ago, I was heading to the grocery store. My wife Linda, she loathes grocery shopping, so she, well... She. He raked his hands over his bald head. I gave him a sideways glance as he continued to ramble, wondering what in the world had happened to cause such a disaster, and why was he so nervous about it? She is right here, Frank. A voice of steel cut through Frank's blundering. A petite woman with silvery blonde hair and bright blue eyes entered the living room, her electric wheelchair crunching over glass and broken picture frames. Miss Bell, I presume. I'm Linda Sergis. Pleasure to meet you. Selina has told us wonderful things about you. We also have a mutual connection, Ellen Good. Linda's eyes looked over me as she spoke. Ellen! My goodness, I haven't heard from her in months. I hope she's well. And it's a pleasure to meet you, Linda. Truthfully, I hadn't heard from Ellen since I cleaned the apothecary cabinet in her son's home with the bleeding fence. See the Big Blue episode, too. She speaks very highly of you. Anyway, the answer my sweet husband, Frank, was trying to sidestep is that I made this mess. Linda said, her steely blue eyes meeting mine. Linda, come on. We've talked about this. It's, It's okay, Frank sputtered from behind her. Frank, enough. It's fine. I got very angry and decided to redecorate, she said evenly. Oh, okay, I said, stunned and feeling very awkward. Is the damage confined to this area? Yes, only in the kitchen in the living area, Frank said quietly. Okay, well, I actually have time today to get started. Let me send you my forms through email. Look them over, and if you agree to the terms, just sign and return them. I can just wait outside until you've reviewed them, unless you'd like me to come back another day. Don't you dare leave, Linda laughed. We need so much help. No need for formalities. Here you go, she said, shoving a large stack of $100 bills in my hand. Wow, that's very generous of you. I would still need you to sign a contract, though, for business purposes. E signature is fine, of course, I sputtered, feeling unsure of what was going on here and exactly how much money she'd handed me. As my grandfather used to say, it looked like a shit ton of money, but Linda had freely admitted to destroying her own apartment, which made me wonder how stable she was and if that had anything to do with the hefty stack of bills in my hand. Alarm bells were ringing, but I silenced them. Sure, just send the contract and you can get started, Frank said, his eyes fixed on Linda. Of course, and this is way, way too much money, I said, realizing that I'd been handed $800. Nonsense. This is an absolute mess, and on such short notice, think of it as a bonus, Linda replied, as she scrawled an email address down on a napkin and handed it to me. That's so kind. Thank you. I could barely get out the words as I fumbled like an idiot with my phone trying to quickly email my contract to Frank. While $800 may not seem like much to some people, to me, it meant I could invest back into my business safely and pay my bills. All right, contract signed and sent back. Thank you so much again for the short notice. I've got to head out to the gym, Frank said with another nervous glance at his wife. I'll be fine, Linda said firmly, leaning up to give her husband a quick peck on the cheek. Be careful, was all Frank said before reciprocating with a kiss on Linda's forehead and walking out. I wasn't sure if he had directed that at Linda or me. As soon as the door shut, Linda was next to me with a trash bag. Well, let's get started, she said. Linda, I wouldn't dream of asking for your assistance. I promise I'm very good at my job. I've got this, I said, startled by her behavior. I'd never once had a client try to clean alongside me. Copeland? she said picking up a ripped magazine from the coffee table i i did this myself yes but i did it so that i could talk to you i froze in place sensing my immediate discomfort she continued oh no no not in a stalker way i promise it's just ellen and i are close and she let me know about her troubles at home and told me about how nice it was to talk to you about them i know it sounds silly frank he he thinks this is all ridiculous He used to think it was all in my head, that I just needed to keep seeing my therapist. Of course I will, but I know the truth. It's my experience, not his. I've been… I've been seeing things lately. She looked up at me, her bright blue eyes brimming with tears. Oh, Linda. I'm a housekeeper. I clean. Sure, I love listening to people's stories and getting to know them, but that's all. I can't offer any advice or fix anyone's problems. I trailed off as she smiled at me. Honestly, I was so stunned by her admission. No need. And I don't want you to think this is manipulative. I mean, it is, but Ellen said you listened and believed her. That's just what I need. I promise. Just listen to me talk. You can clean, I'll help, and you just listen. I don't know, Linda. This doesn't feel okay. Does Frank know about this? Of course, Copeland. We've been married for 40 years. Why do you think he was so nervous? Why did you go so, so over the top with this mess? I couldn't help but ask. She could have just booked me for a regular cleaning. I, I have a lot of rage right now. That's part of the problem. I'm so angry all the time. I can't seem to shake it. I told Frank my idea about speaking with you. He started to balk and the next thing I know, I turn around and the place looks like this. She waved her hand towards the mess. Frank said it was like watching the Hulk smash everything. He was horrified. I shivered at that thought. I really didn't know what to say or do. Looking out at the mess before me and then back at Linda, I let out a heavy sigh before saying, Okay, look, this is a very strange situation. She started to open her mouth, but I raised my hand for her to let me finish. I don't like that you were dishonest with me and I really don't love that you hired me to clean a room that you destroyed just so that I could listen to your experience. But I will stay here, on the condition that you swear you will continue with your regular medical treatments as prescribed by your doctor and that you understand I am just a housekeeper. I gave her my firmest look. Yes, of course. Thank you so much, Copeland, she said quickly. Now I'm going to get started with this mess. You get started with your story, I said, taking the trash bag out of her hands. Okay, now that it's time, I feel kind of embarrassed, Linda said with a laugh. It really is quite silly. Next time, just ask me for coffee. Please, go ahead. I'm going to start bagging up everything that's broken beyond repair. Linda closed her eyes and took a deep breath. I picked up the rotten banana peel from the floor. Should I just start at the beginning? Linda, I have no idea. I'm the housekeeper. It's your time and your house. Say whatever you'd like. I was sure the irritation had shown through in my voice, but this was getting ridiculous. Okay, before we lived here, Frank and I lived by the coast in Maine for over 20 years. It was very rural and beautiful. However, as we got older, healthcare was not ideal in such a remote area. We sold our house and decided to move in for just a few months with my daughter and her twin boys. Just long enough so that we could find a place of our own to call home. That must have been nice, having a family close by, I said, wrestling a sofa cushion back into place. It was. I don't mean to brag, but Joy, my daughter, is the best person on earth, Linda said, her eyes sparkling. She lived in an older colonial-style home that had the perfect first-floor bedroom for us. Before we moved in, she made it completely accessible for me in every way. The twins used to love riding on my lap up the chairlift. It was amazing. How old are they? I asked. Six. Such an awesome age. We moved in, and it was wonderful. We'd help with dinner and house upkeep, running errands and watching the boys. One of my favorite activities was putting the boys to bed at night. We'd read stories with flashlights and make up silly jokes. Joy always said I got them to bed late, but what's a few extra minutes for those memories? One night I was putting them to bed. Frank and Joy were downstairs cleaning up for the evening. We just finished a chapter of one of those magic treehouse books when I felt Jackson tug on my hand. Nana, he whispered. I remember looking at his face and it was so full of fear. Can you stay just a little longer? So the green man won't come. His brother, Julius, quickly said, Jackson, quiet, you're not supposed to say anything. Of course, I was concerned that they felt that they shouldn't share about it. I asked, who is the green man? The moment she'd started mentioning the kids, I had already gotten goosebumps. Maybe it was because I'd been totally into the movie The Sixth Sense as a teenager, but anything with kids and ghosts totally creeped me out. I didn't respond to the break in her story, just continued putting things back in their place. Linda picked up the hint and continued. They explained that the green man lived behind their door at night and would only come out when it was dark. They called him the green man because when he smiled, his teeth looked green. I chalked it up to being afraid of the boogeyman. After all, we just watched Monsters, Inc. for movie night that weekend. I kissed them on their foreheads good night, turned out the light, and assured them there was no green man. It was several days before they spoke about it again. Jackson and Julius began looking so tired, with dark circles under their eyes. They told their mom it was because the green man wouldn't be quiet at night, that he liked to sing songs to them. My daughter is a school counselor, so of course she had the perfect book. We all read the Berenstain Bears book about being scared of the dark together, thinking it would help them. Oh, I love that book! And the one with the spooky old tree, I said excitedly. Yes, they loved it too. Sadly, it didn't help. Both boys started sleeping in their mother's room. As you can imagine, everyone was tired. I hatched an idea. I would go into the boys' room with a tennis racket and pretend to scare the green man into ever coming back. Linda must have seen the look in my face, because she said, Yes, I know that was a terrible idea. After a week of no sleep, we were all desperate. I put the boys to bed as usual that night, except right before I turned out the lights, I picked up the racket and pointed it at the wall and said, Mr. Green Man, leave these boys alone for good. Go pick on someone your own size. That night, Frank and I went to bed. The house was quiet, and Frank congratulated me for a job well done with scaring away the green man. He turned off the light and rolled over. We were all so tired and finally ready for a good night's sleep. I was just getting ready to lay my head on the pillow when something caught my eye. In the corner of the room, in the crack between the wall and the half-ajar door, was a shape. It was so dark, I almost didn't see it, but it was definitely there. A hazy shape of a shorter person. I squinted my eyes, not really believing what I was seeing. That's when the shape took a step forward and smiled. Okay, Linda, I may need you to stop there. This is getting really scary, I said. Please, just let me finish. Ellen was right. This is feeling so nice just to get it all out, she pleaded. Yeah, but at my expense, I thought. Does it get worse? I replied with a wince. You know it does. All I could do was nod once and continue on with my job. That smile... When the boys had told me a green smile, I imagined neon green teeth like a glowing sign. No. No, he didn't have teeth, not that I could see. Just green, oozing gums that were the color of green pus. Linda, that is so gross, I whispered. Vile. Truly vile. He took one step towards the bed before I could shake Frank to wake him up. When I looked back, he was gone. Of course, I told Frank immediately, but he thought it was just exhaustion or sleep paralysis. But I hadn't been asleep. From that night on, the green man visited me every evening. Each time he would get closer and closer to the bed. When I woke up Frank, he never saw anything. It was terrifying, frustrating, and concerning. I can't even imagine. What did your daughter say? I asked. I didn't tell her. Frank let it slip one evening after a particularly long and sleepless night staying up with me. She was concerned. That's when I started seeing a therapist. That's great. Did it help? Seeing a therapist is just something a responsible adult should do, of course. It helped in many ways, but it never stopped him from coming because he wasn't of my mind or of this world. Yikes. That's terrifying, Linda. I thought I'd seen the worst until he started singing to me at night. Children's songs in his tinkly, high-pitched little voice. His favorite was the itsy-bitsy spider. I, I can't stand to hear it now. Frank had gotten so tired of waking up that he was snappy with me. One night, the green man had gotten so close, he was whispering in my ear and gripping my forearm with his rough hands. I could feel his hot, rancid breath on me when I went to wake up Frank. You must understand, he was so sleep-deprived by this point. When I shook Frank's arm, he sat bolt upright and yelled, Damn it, Linda! When he turned on the lights, of course the green man was gone. However, our bedroom door swung back against the wall so hard, it left a hole in the wall where the handle had hit. That got Frank. He couldn't offer a rational reason. Plus, it scared the hell out of him. The next day we told Joy we believed the green man was real. She was skeptical at first, but once she saw how shaken up I was, she quickly went into action mode. There was sage and blessings of the house, religious folk of all backgrounds and beliefs came to protect the home, and it worked. No more green man sightings. Just like that, I asked, astonished at how quickly the story had come to a conclusion. Yes, just like that. Linda replied quietly. Then why do I get the feeling you aren't finished yet? I'm not. We moved into this beautiful apartment a few months ago. Two weeks ago, Frank went out of town on a trip to San Francisco to meet up with a few college buddies. That's when he struck. He was waiting for me to be alone. I was laying in bed, re-watching Bridgerton for distraction, when I noticed a dark spot on our bedroom wall. The room is painted navy, and at first I didn't think much of it. When the spot started to expand and stretch, I sat up in bed and turned on the light. That split second, me looking towards the light and back, was enough time for him to materialize. I saw him finally, every inch of his sickening form. He was knobby all over like a tree, with grayish dark skin and horrible bulging eyes. The green man smiled that horrid wide smile that had gifted him his name and stalked towards me. I tried to move to my chair, but my body was literally frozen in fear. The last thing I remember, he leaned in close and whispered in my ear, someone my own size. I woke up the next morning in my chair by the door. I have no recollection of how I got there. That happens more than I care to admit. Missing time? Frank has found me staring at him at night or in the kitchen drinking orange juice, which I detest. The worst part is this rage. I feel it all the time. Copeland, I don't know what to do. Linda looked at me with pleading in her eyes. Linda, that's... that's horrific. I am so sorry. But I don't have any idea what you should do. Have you spoken to your daughter about all of this? Yes. Yes, she wanted to come immediately, but I persuaded her not to visit. I don't want this, whatever this thing is, anywhere near her or the boys, again. Oh, Linda, maybe try the sage and blessings again? This is not my area of expertise. I I don't know what to say. I was, in fact, speechless. She had chilled me to my core. I started to pack up my supplies. It was definitely time to leave. I started walking to the elevator with Linda following me. You don't need to say anything. Thank you for listening. Ellen was right. I do feel better. Copeland? There's just one more thing, though, she said. I keep having these dreams. I think he enjoys showing me things. Horrible things. That's awful, Linda. I can certainly relate to bad dreams I soothed, trying to get out of the damn apartment. I know. I see you sometimes in them. We're watching the same dream. Of the woman falling? Or bleeding, she whispered. What the hell, Linda? Stop it. That's not funny. I'm not kidding. It's one of the reasons I needed to talk to you. Stop. Just stop. I can't do this anymore, I seethed. I reached into my purse and fished out the neatly clipped fold of $100 bills she'd given me. With shaking hands, I stared at her while placing the bills on the entryway table. I wanted no part of this anymore. Please do not contact me again, I said as the elevator doors opened. I stepped in and jammed my finger on the door close button. Copeland, I'm sorry. I just, I wasn't sure until I met you. Linda cried out before the doors shut and I heard nothing but the hum of the elevator's descent. Thank you for listening to Polish and Scream. Polish and Scream is created by M. Dawson with support from Becca Rhodes. If you enjoy listening to Polish and Scream, please consider giving us a good review. It really does help get the word out there about us. And if you'd like to get in touch, please shoot us an email at polishandscreampodcast at gmail.com.